Can you believe in a finite object possessing infinite power? Or that a mineral can be proclaimed the medicine of the 21st century? Or that the power of nature can win over the ignorance of man? If you can, you will know why our mission is to get Shungite to the masses. You are entering the Shungite zone. This is the Shungite radio show produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Welcome to Shungite Reality Special. This is airing on uh, uh, December 5th, 2023. And it's a ODD radio show that we, myself and Walt Silver, first discussed Shungite. It's from August 31st, 2014. We were actually asked to... Um, replay this first show and that's what we're gonna do so hope you have a good time listening to it it's a little old tape it's not that good but it's good thank you very much be safe and enjoy it hi out there in radio land i hope everybody's doing good this is nancy hopkins um today i have a guest that i've just met his name is walt silva silva and Walt, say hi to the audience. Ah, good evening, everyone, or good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are in the world. Now, Walt is 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 um, he's he's familiar with radio, but he's also familiar with energy. And the this show is based on Cosmic Reality, the book that I was um, very honored to be able to write, and in it um, we. I try to present solutions. In presenting solutions um, and trying to understand the full implications of who we are and what we are and where we are and all the answers of the universe, because the book is, after all, cosmic reality, um, I came to the realization that there's a conscious creator God that I call Gaia. I did not come there because of understanding metaphysics, which I do, but I came there because I understand science. And the science tells us that, and this is, a, this is a whole section of science that realized that in order to have manifestation, you have to have some kind of consciousness behind it. And they anticipated that based on the Internet and the continual increase in the information that human beings had access to and the evolution of the human brain that was ongoing, plus the fact that there was probably going to be DNA evolutionary changes, they anticipated, projected, or prophesized that at some point in the time, in time, the creator God that was creating the biosphere that we know of as Earth would have a jump in consciousness. Well, my belief is that that jump of consciousness is based on human beings making a jump in consciousness, which I call shaman consciousness. And in that concept, <clears throat> we as human beings understand that we do have a creator God. Now, we're not talking about a one-source God out there. We're talking about just basic science. You cannot have con you can't have mass manifestation without some kind of consciousness because these people are looking at the energy universe. 
not the 3D universe that we're all familiar with. It operates below the speed of, of light. We're talking about the entire conce conception of an energy universe because quantum physics has taught us <coughs> that energy, that, that there is no matter. Matter is only a relationship of energies. They're all operating at the same speed. Therefore, they look like they're frozen. Well, that's only 10% of everything that is. The 90% of everything that is is gone by many different names. Nobody has really, uh, well, I shouldn't say nobody has really. There are people that have understood the science in this 90%, or at least gotten glimpses of it. But your standard operating procedure for what we know of as science, they don't really get into this unless you're talking at the quantum level. So most of us don't know quantum physics, and therefore it seems like this very difficult thing to understand. And in fact, it's not. It's very simple. If you understand energy. And I've told my audience and, and anybody that listened to me that magic is only the relationship, magic is only the manipulation of energy. There's nothing magical, it's just that you don't understand the manipulation of energy and therefore it looks magical. Well, if I'm right about that, then Walt is the master magician. He <laughs> understands energy in the 90% better than most of us understand energy in the 10%. So, I just, I've just met Walt. I have only a, a brief introduction to what he offers us. And um, because of the impact of the information that he has, uh, JP and I decided that we really wanted to go with uh, the concept of uh, two shows, two nights, four hours with Walt. So tonight we're gonna, I'm going to be talking to Walt, and I'm going to find out more about him and more about his basic beliefs and concepts. And because Jay's got company <laughs> and is not really here with us, um, tomorrow when we do the um, Journeys with JP that starts at 8 and goes to 10 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we'll get into more of the devices that, that uh, Walt has actually built. Um, I'll have pictures up so that you can go look at these pictures and you can really follow around, follow what he's talking about for the different gadgets <laughs> or devices or magical tools, you know, whatever you want to think of. But tonight, I just really want to get to know the, the basics of Walt. And I've talked to him on the phone. He's delightful. He makes me laugh a lot. So, um, Walt, where do you want to start? This is, this is your, your show, you're going to let us know what you want us to know about you and about the science that you have um, so, you know, to proven to me that you have a complete grasp, or at least a learning grasp, because I don't think we can ever have a complete grasp of it. So uh, <laughs> go for it. Tell me what, tell me what you okay. want to say, hon. Uh, well, my, my initial uh, idea was to share with you the information I got regarding Shanghai today, uh, early this morning. I um, I did it well. Okay, let's backpedal a little bit here. Okay, for those in the audience, um, am, am, am I allowed to say the name of my website to kind of give people a little bit of a background on me? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've actually got your website posted out there. Uh, yes, oh, okay. yeah. You, you, we want people to know who you are and where they can find out more information about you and your products. We really okay. want to teach people. So yes. Okay, so you absolutely. already have it there. New paradigm. 
Tools.com. Um, yes. uh, say it again. Now, say it again. Say it again slowly so oh, that they okay. can. Okay. Uh, yes. The, the altogether new paradigm tools.com altogether. And uh, that was the best that I could come up with at the time because I thought, okay, how is this applicable to the 3D world? Not very, since the 3D world doesn't even acknowledge the existence of ether or prana or organ. So, but it's now 10 years because I started in 2004. I'm one of those people, and I know many of the audience out there have uh, worked and experimented uh, with organite. And for those that are hearing this term for the very first time, uh, the, the term comes from the work of Dr. Wilhelm Reich, who lived and worked in this country uh, back in the 50s, and who coined the term because he found th the particular energy field that he was studying is he found it ever-present wherever living, uh, wherever there's organic matter, he would detect this this field of energy, so he ended up calling it organ because other cultures have known this, are aware of this. In other cultures, it goes by different names, and that's why you see the Chinese call it qi, the Indians call it prana, and just like any other energy out there, it is not one single thing in the sense it is this essence, period. No, within the field of argon, there are multiple densities of it, multiple colors of it, and different states of it. So uh, back in 2004, uh, when I started getting more and more f uh, information on this, uh, I came to uh, realize the importance of Dr. Reich's work because we are living in a world where we can't live without our electricity and we can't, cannot live without our electronic devices. And unfortunately, wherever there's an abundance of electromagnetic uh, radiation, uh, in his work, in his finding, he saw that uh, in its natural healthy state, the argon field is always flowing and pulsing and moving. But when it's in the presence of electromagnetic radiation, it gets overexcited, like it, it bloats, and then it, it reaches a peak, and then it just collapses and it remains as a, as a, a field of stagnant energy. And for those people that uh, worked in office environment back in the days of CRTs, they, have, they may have been aware of their own physical symptoms that when you're in that kind of a saturated environment where the argon has become uh, stagnant, uh, you can experience a dryness in your mouth, dryness in your nose, your eyes uh, feel the burning sensation in the eyes. Some people experience uh, pain or pressure in their joints. And all of these are various ways that your own energy system, your body, is telling you, you know, guys, you know, we're in a field of dead energy. And fluorescent lights, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, so I started researching, okay, what, what to do about this? You can't just let it go and say, okay, it, it is what it is. So I came across the, um, the work of uh, Dr. Carl Lenz, who is the one who termed coined the term organite from organ because uh, Dr. Reich uh, found that metallic elements will conduct 
and project organ and organic uh, elements components such as uh, wood flesh anything uh, hydrocarbons anything of an organic nature will attract and store organ. so Carl Lenz his idea was okay if, if healthy organ is this pulsing flowing organ I'm going to mix the two so the the resin matrix holding the metal attracts the organ and the metal repels so you have this back and forth back and forth back and forth um, the organite the raw organite uh, it's not uh, directional in any way you just put it in an environment that's has a lot of uh, stagnant organ and it begins to neutralize that because it it pulses it back to life now in those early years that I was uh, working and investigating with organite I came across also the um, the grassroots uh, work of uh, Don Croft who at the time was living in Idaho this gentleman would uh, blog about his activity going around different parts of the country uh, distributing uh, organ organite to areas where there was a lot of electromagnetic activity like uh, cell towers and transmission towers and n uh, nuclear plants uh, but reading his material and the material of others is when I found that uh, organite was not indefinite in its work after doing so much after processing so much stagnant organ the substance or the or organite device would get uh, depleted in some way and either its work would be reduced or completely stopped so the people uh, working with organite figured the best way to bring it back to life we put it out in the sun or let it sit on the soil and between the earth and the sun they clean out the organite and then it goes back to normal you know normal working organite so when I saw this I thought uh, this is not very convenient for people to have to think in terms of every so often I have to put it out in the sun and I'm in Minnesota in the winter time you don't see much sun <laughs> so that's in thinking of along the lines how can I make a device be self-cleaning and sustain itself is when I stumbled across the work of uh, Slim Sperling uh, the gentleman engineer who became a, a dowser and he developed these wonderful lifelight tools which never once they turn on they never stop so I read his book and I watched the video that he put out and in the video he very quite simply points out and reveals the one tiny technical detail that's the cause of turning on that turns on his devices so I thought oh, this is great because now whatever I encase in the resin matrix will never get depleted because the uh, spurling technology is always flowing always rotating the energy in the, in the wire therefore it doesn't deplete it doesn't get saturated and it's always cleaning out whatever stones and minerals and crystals are embedded in the device so that's how I started developing the different devices that you see in the website uh, that's the human part of it in the sense that that's what I was able to put together but then the thing expanded into another dimension because when I was introduced to the concept of my personal guidance uh, when Dr. Um, Costa of the Institute of Thought 
came to Minnesota in the year 2005, he went around teaching a workshop called the 15 step. And it was a, it was a method, like a transpersonal hypnotherapy type of technique that allows you to take your pattern body into fourth dimension and you get to meet and talk with your guides. So when I started doing that and practicing that, uh, information started coming in and information regarding the devices came in and uh, what you see in the website, I don't take credit for saying, oh, I am so bright and so intelligent, I came up with this. I, I, in all honesty, I can't do that because what, I, what you see on the website, everything is inspired by visions and information that I have downloaded. Uh, the, like the grounding cylinder, uh, a, a well-known psychic lady here in Minnesota, when uh, I did not meet her in person, but uh, a, a common acquaintance took the cylinder and showed it to her, and she says, you do know that this is an alien device, don't you? <laughs> so, so this lady friend was kind of uh, startled to hear that, but that's, that's one of those cases. I mean, that, that cylinder was in my head, and, I, and, and until I went to the workshop and put it together, they wouldn't leave me alone. I kept saying, and that's what happens many times. You get this persistent vision and image, in your head because they want you to make it and put it together and you put it together and they let you they give you a break for a day or so until the next vision <laughs> so now you're the latest player in this energy game because you've introduced me to this uh, amazing substance uh, Shungite and uh, as I say in the website um, about uh, two three years ago one of the gentlemen who bought two of my devices, he introduced me to the concept of uh, shamanic journeying. And he wouldn't give me much background information, but he would give me uh, homework to do. He says, okay, now here's the drumming music, you prepare this way and you do this. And I would fill out reports that I would send him. And initially he would say, you've done this before in other lives because this is coming to you very naturally. And I thought, well, never heard of it before. I don't know what a shaman is or what a shamanic journey is. So I started thinking along the lines, okay, if, if I can do this journey and speak to my guides, I can speak to other people's guides if they give me permission, and I can ask, does this person need anything that I make? So uh, that's when I started offering. Uh, I asked for people's express permission so as not to violate their free will. And I do the journey. It's about an hour long and I, most of the time, people's uh, spiritual guides are in the upper world. Uh, as you're familiar with the shamanic universe, you, you speak in terms of the... And Andrew Barsis has mentioned this, that Earth has three timelines. So in the shamanic universe, those are the lower world, the middle world, where we are right now, having this conversation, and the upper world. So in, in the time that I've been doing this now, only in three different occasions have I had situations where the people's guides say, no, there's nothing you make that can help them, but please give them this information. So they'll give me a message to relate to the person to help them in their life process. Uh, the rest of the time I will get from simple to extremely complex instructions how to make something. I have put pictures there in my website giving 
samples of those custom-made uh, jobs. Um, the um, uh, the other thing that surprised me with the shamanic journey, um, and well, it shouldn't be any surprise for those people that are familiar with the metaphysical world. Uh, there's no drudgery <laughs> on the other side. There's no routine on the other on the by the other side. I mean, obviously, the higher dimensions. I mean, every journey is unique. You'll see things you haven't seen before. But it took me by surprise the first time it happened, and I'm keeping count now. Uh, I'm up to four different people who have given their permission. I do the journey. I make all the preparations to go to the upper world, but that's not where their guides are. I'm finding that these people's guides are actually in a ship in orbit. I was kind of surprised the first time because in my to give you a little bit of a description in, in the journey, when I begin the journey in the middle world, I, I'll be walking along a landscape until I find a crystal tube that has a little crystal elevator and I take that and it takes me up into the upper world. So I got used to that and then all of a sudden the first the the one lady that I did the journey for, I keep going up and I see the upper world go down beneath my feet and I just keep going up and then eventually I saw this giant ship above me and that's where the person's guides were. And they're just guides. They they have information to give you on if there's something you can make for the person, they'll tell you yes. This is what you what they need and you'll see you see the geometrics appear before you and they'll give you instructions and I many times I ask uh how should they use this? What do they need this for? One particular lady she wrote to me because she had seen I believe either in a vision or a meditation that she was supposed to have a power symbol in her life. And it, it happened. I, uh, they showed me a symbol for her to use. And it was difficult to grasp during the journey because the image of it was on the surface of a table and it, and it kept moving back and forth. It was difficult for me to grasp. But then all of a sudden, this four-sided pyramid appeared and it had one symbol on each face, the same symbol. So I went ahead and she gave me her approval. I make the pyramid, but then as I'm taking pictures to send to her, um, I took a picture of the pyramid as seen from above so you can see all four faces together. And one, once I was able to see all four faces together, the entire image that I had seen on the table came alive. And I, and I thought, oh, so this is how this is supposed to work. So she was very happy with it, and she reports that till this day she's having changes and consciousness expansion in her life. I do not, I do not know what she does uh, personally and as on the subject of metaphysical practices, if she meditates or something. But um, so now the latest adventure is Shungite, um, a universe unto itself. <laughs> I don't know if I've given you enough information or too much or too little. Feel free to ask me questions. I'm absolutely fascinated because I, so many of us have taken similar journeys, but <laughs> to actually be able to come back with images that you then can manifest into a 3D reality that actually are power bases, it's, just, it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, Okay, Shungite. Um, now you had been you, you heard 
uh, an interview with me and Jay, or Jay and myself, uh-huh. and then you made some devices based on what we had said. But now uh-huh. I'm understanding from you that you actually were into Shungite products before this. How did you, I mean, wh- where did you first get into Shungite? Oh, the first I heard it was from JP during uh, one of the uh, the uh, hours when we gather with the other group. Um, may I say the name of the other group? Oh, absolutely, please. Oh, yes. the um, When they have the uh, Frank Jordan show, which was broadcasted uh, through Wealth Spirit Radio, uh, in one, one of those opportunities, uh, JP was talking with us, with the group, and he was mentioning that he had come across um, Shanghai, and what he said about it was so intriguing. I went ahead and found a bender and eBay. I ordered half a kilo of it, and I got the stones and started playing with it. Uh, I put it in water. I put it on my electromagnetic devices. But it didn't cross my mind to, which I, I guess everything in its own time, <laughs> it didn't cross my mind to do a journey to ask in depth more about it. But then one of the ladies of uh, that group, uh, Diane from California, she sent me the recording of one of the shows where you and JP are speaking in depth of uh, about Shanghai and the energy qualities and the properties. And as soon as I heard the details, I started putting points together, like when you have those pictures, which is just dots, and you start connecting them, and they make an image, <laughs> that kind of deal. And I thought, oh, this is this is amazing. This is interesting. And I started thinking along the lines of, okay, what happens if, if um, since the Shanghite is electrically conductive, yet not magnetic, what would happen if I make it part of one of the uh, Sperling circuits, so that the organ that's flowing through the wire is always is also flowing through the Shanghite. So uh, this is this was one of those experiments that I emailed you about, that when the uh, Shungite became part of the circuit, meaning that the organ flowing in the wire was also going through the Shungite. Immediately, the, the 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 circuit or the coil cooled down, and I, using a digital thermometer, I was able to verify that it it went down a whole degree and removed the Shungite, and it goes back to its temperature. Put the Shungite back again, and it cooled down again. And I thought, hmm, this uh, is... Let me just, let me stop. Is that Fahrenheit? <clears throat> is that Fahrenheit? I, um, I, I had the thermometer set on Celsius at the time. Okay, Celsius is a, is a bigger drop than Fahrenheit? Oh, okay. Small. Is it, I'm asking, I don't remember. I, is, is, uh, well, the, the scale, uh, Celsius scale, it was developed based on water. Fahrenheit is based on an alcohol. So I, I, be, I believe the, the span in, in, in Fahrenheit is greater for the same amount of thermal units, so I think you are correct. The uh, resolution of temperature in Fahrenheit is higher than the resolution of temperature in Celsius. So one degree might be maybe two and a half degrees in Fahrenheit. I just wanted to clarify that for people, that it wasn't because it makes a difference. So I'm sorry, but I just wanted to clarify that for people. Yeah, you're quite correct. Talking C instead of F. <laughs> okay, go on because that's fascinating. I mean, the fact that you could measure it at all. Sometimes we'll feel an energy shift, but to be actually see in the 3D an effect of a change in energy that was affecting temperature, that's pretty awesome. So, okay, so there was a change you could meter it. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Yep, yep. 
So that's why I'm, and, and then in another part of your uh, of your uh, conference, you were saying how in your investigation you had found that two or more pieces actually do more work or, or are more effective because the, their fields, uh, you said something really significant, that when you're dealing with a specific mineral, regardless of size and shape of the mineral, because it is the, it is the same mineral, different specimens will have the same essence energy or the same field of energy because you are dealing essentially with the same material. But in the course of your investigation, you had found that different size chips of shungite actually had different fields. And because they're different, they're resonating with each other, bouncing off of each other, and you found that they would recharge each other. And I, when I, as, as soon as I heard all that description, I thought, oh, resonance. So that's when I went to my shop and I did uh, the double coil with the pieces of shungite sandwich into the circuit so that it's flowing uh, in the wire. I purposely set up the coils so that the organ flow in the coil is going in opposite directions uh, because when that happens, the organ will actually generate a field of etheric light around the device. That was uh, Sperling's findings when he did the same thing with his rings. He saw the, the clairvoyants working with him at the time would report seeing the field of light forming and projecting out of the rings because in the rings the organ flow in the wires are going in opposite directions. So I had this in my hand and I'm thinking, okay, I got the resonator, now what do I do with it? <laughs> and then the other piece of information you gave was the effect that it has on energy fields in general, that especially when you spoke about uh, electrosmog, that the Shanghai had the power to attenuate these fields so that they, they're not harmful or detrimental to living systems. So I thought, oh, okay, let's see what happens if I put this on the power line that's coming into the house. So before doing anything, I grabbed my pendulum and I went around the house to the out power outlets and I would just ask the question out loud, you know, what is the quality of the power coming into the house? And my pendulum would say negative, negative. And okay. So I went outside and I took a couple of zip ties and uh, strapped the resonator to the pipe of the power line coming down from the roof into the power meter uh, with the output of the coil facing the pipe. Then I go back inside, I start dowsing all the outlets, I asking what is the quality of the power now? And I kept getting positive, positive, positive. And right right off the very first day that I did that, I noticed the change inside the house, that it, it felt lighter, it felt more comfortable. Uh, because sometimes you turn on the TV for an hour or so and uh, you feel like tense or stressed, depending on what you've been watching. You just want to get up and walk away. But uh, now, where, whichever room you go to, it feels nice, it feels comfortable. You don't feel like you want to jump out of your skin or <laughs> something like that. Uh, so that was that. the results with that, uh, with, the, uh, with the resonator. Then um, I got your specimens. You sent me a box with uh, three huge pieces. Uh, one of them is a four-pounder, I believe. And yes, that was interesting. That was the biggest one I'd received, yes. You got, you got the big one, baby. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, I remember what you you told me on, when you told me on the phone to let me know that it was on its way. You said, make sure you grab it and ground it because you, it's going to be supercharged with energy. And I, I knew that there was a package on its way. One morning, I, I decided to I left the house from the back of the house and I came around the highway to see if the mailman had come. And I was 60 or maybe 80 feet away from the front door, and I felt this intense energy in my head. It, it felt like a like I had a pink basketball inside my head. And the reason I have to describe it that way is because ever since I was exposed to one of those devices that's pictured in, for people that see the pictures on my website, there's a device that looks like a barbell, like two discs with a center cylinder. I've only touched that for a few minutes while I was taking the picture for the owner of it, but just that exposure, ever since I was exposed to that, I can feel colors, uh, be, besides seeing them, you can actually feel a sensation, and you know the color of the sensation. That that's the way that I can describe it. And and this felt intensely pink inside my head. So I come over to the door, and there at the foot of the door is your box waiting for me. And uh, that's as soon as I opened it up, all the cats came in and they loved the rocks. <laughs> and one of them went to sleep inside the box. Uh, but the between between that day that the box arrived and yesterday when I had a chance to go to my workshop and do testing with these things, uh, there's so much information coming in on what this can do. Um, I don't know if, if you want to leave that for tomorrow or you want me to share it with the audience. No, 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 no. This is, this is cosmic reality and cosmic reality's mission is to get Shungite to the masses. So we'll talk okay. Shungite all, all the whole show if you want. One thing okay. I do want to say uh, is that mm -hmm. the color, sure. the color, the color associated with Shungite is pink. Even uh -huh. though it's a black mineral, um, the people that see colors like you, um, they also see it as pink. Oh. So just a confirmation oh. there. That's interesting. That's almost like, like, why did I just remember? I, I was just remembering one of the Castaneda books where uh, Don Juan explained uh, when he had a chance to turn into a crow and see through the eyes of a crow. Crows don't look when when they look at each other. They don't see black. They see pink. I don't remember that, but that's very interesting. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I just couldn't help. Well, you know, one of the no colors are very interesting because, of course, it's a frequency, and. Um, one of the one day somebody asked me, you know, what's the color of God? And it didn't take very long for me to say black. And they said, why? And I said, because there's every color in black. White, it reflects back. But black yeah. is, is all the colors. So um, interesting that those things that are the crow and, and, and shungite would be seen in a pink uh -huh. uh, color energy. That's, uh, uh, that's just the energy question is, is, is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Why, why is pink the dominant when you've got stuff that's got all of it in there? Yeah, well, it, it, maybe that's uh, we see it as black because it's a limitation of our physical eyes. If we were maybe if we were using our third eye to look at uh, Shungite, it would be a totally different frequency. Inter we're, yeah, we're just yeah. interpreting we're just interpreting the electromagnetic frequency that our physical eyes are picking up. So there's a limitation that's, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, experiments. Okay, uh, 
between yesterday and today, I, in today's shamanic journey, I had a chance to ask questions as to what I saw yesterday. And what I did is I continued doing testing using uh, different kinds of coils, the, like uh, the traditional Sperling AccuVac coil and my own implosion coil, which I explained to you before. In the, um, in the traditional AccuVac coil, there's two vectors of organ movement. In the implosion coil, which is the one that looks like a, like a disc, there's uh, three vectors of movement and it generates a toroidal field. So it looks like Shungite loves toroidal fields. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, because some people might not understand that term. Okay. Why don't you expand on it just a bit? Uh, a torus or a toroidal field is what you would call a donut. It, uh, the difference is that in a donut, the hole is very wide and open. In a torus or toroidal field, the center hole tends to be tight so that when you look at a, 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 toroid, a torus from above, it looks like a vortex. It looks like a funnel going in. So the, uh, there is a, the torus, you have a ro the rotation of energy in a torus, you have around the center axis or around the center hole of the donut. That's one vector, one direction. Then there is rotation. Uh, how to explain the geometry? Um, you have the donut, the body of the donut. Well, the body of the donut is rotating around the axis of that circle, that the donut, or uh, or an inner tube. You, it's rotating. Uh, Perpendicular, can I, is that correct? Perpendicular to that center hole because it's rotating among, around its, uh, circular axis. That's the second rotation. And in the well, case well, of, let, the, let me, let me sure. jump in here for a minute. Well, okay, it, sure. If we, if we, if we, if we imaged a, um, like a pencil going through it, a very tight donut with a little, little hole, okay, uh -huh. like a pencil, then you're saying that the donut is rotating around the pencil. Correct. Okay, now, the, the hole itself is also rotating. Correct. Now, are they rotating in the same direction, or do they counter, are they rotating a different, or does it matter? I mean, is there... Well, is the, it, that's, it, the, that's, the, that's the interesting thing that, and it was, um, I didn't know that this was going to happen. The first day that I experimented making, um, let me backpedal a little bit in order to give you a better reference. When um, Slim Sperling made his first ring, it was merely a section of wire bent into a circle with the two ends soldered together. So by using the silver solder, now you have the organ flowing inside the wire from positive to negative, constantly, nonstop. But since it's, it's, it's rotating in a, in, a, in a specific direction, when you douse the faces of this, uh, now you have a ring, and the ring has a encompasses a flat plane, correct? Yes. If you douse one face of this plane, you get a negative rotation. If you douse the other face of the plane, you get a positive rotation. And that's why he found the, 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 the hard way how dangerous this can be, because he put uh, one of these rings on his chest, and he put the negative side, and he had to get up, he had to jump out of the chair and toss it on the ground because he almost had a heart attack. 
So he said, you know, this is no good. We have to find a way to make sure that it's positive on both faces. And that's how they came about. That's why the rings have two wires, because one wire is going in one direction, the other one is in the, going in the opposite direction. So now when you douse the faces of the plane of the ring, both faces give you positive. So when I played making my very first uh, implosion coil, I, I thought I was going to come across something similar to that because it's a single wire, it's not a double wire. And as you can see in the, in the picture, I, I, the positive end is close to the center and it's wound so that the negative end ends at the periphery of the coil and then it bends in and you solder it to the center. So now you have the organ is flowing constantly uh, it, from the center is going out to the periphery and flowing in toward the center. So it's it, like a centripetal motion going always toward the center. So I thought, okay, so just like the ring, I'm going to see positive on one side, negative on the other side. But that's not what happened. When I doused either face of the coil, it's positive. And that's what made me realize it's, it's producing a torus. It's producing a donut. And the energy coming in gets transmuted from negative spin to positive spin, which is what an AccuVac coil does, only it does it in a linear vector. I'm sorry if this is getting extremely confusing. <laughs> well, no, not really, because I, I, I wish we could put the have, have them seeing the pictures, but as soon as we get off, I'll try to put a YouTube together and show the pictures so that okay. people come back and listen to it and look at it again. Um, because uh, we are we are we are giving science and I have no hesitation in giving science. This is not voodoo. It's not. I love the torus shape because, as my guide as I repeated this morning, the torus is the shape of the body of the universe. Depending on where you are in the torus, it's either expanding or contracting. So the universe is doing it both at the same time. If you're on the part, if you're near the, where the vortex comes out, it'll be the expanding part of the universe. And if you're living somewhere near where the vortex is going in, well, you're in the shrinking part of the universe. So that, that is the fundamental shape of the universe. It's just so vast that we only get to see patches of that giant torus. <laughs> Interesting. And, that, and that's why Shanghai loves that. Because it, I rem and in the testing, when I started doing the... I, I followed your lead. You said, take notes. Okay, I'm taking notes. <laughs> and... Uh, when I did the testing with AccuVac coils, remember that you found that 15 grams was the minimum that you needed to be able to uh, attenuate uh, electromagnetic fields? Yes. And if you put more, there was no change, but 15 was the minimum. Well, I found that in the, and, and those were when you're putting them in a little bag. Now, when the Shanghite is interacting with the active field of a coil, it's, it doesn't care about size or, or weight. I found that the magic number is actually one. It's, it's, uh, it's three. I, and I did this several times. I repeated the test. I, did, I had tiny chips. I had medium-sized pieces. I had the big giant monster you sent me. It didn't care for the size. The maximum intensity of the field was achieved, achieved with three chips and in order to gauge this um, you can download this off of the internet if you do an image search and search for a biometer 
Uh, biometer is a special dowsing chart that gives you uh, kind of a, a, a reference, like a baseline for gauging either energy or levels of consciousness. For example, when, when you, the scale begins from a thousand and it ends at the value of a million, or uh, sorry, it, it ends at a hundred thousand, and the scale, for example, shows you that between um, 2,500 to 5,000, that's where you will find pathological agents. Uh, between 6,500 or between 7,000 and 10,000, that's where you, that's physical energy. Between 10,000 and 13,500, that's etheric energy. From 14,000 upwards, it's all, they, they call it spiritual energy. So, you, with the force of your intention, you decide what the scale is saying. It's not an absolute, because you can ask a scale, what is the level, what is the average consciousness of the people, level of consciousness of the people in set group, group A, for example. And your pendulum will point, and it will give you a reference value. I have used this before. Um, I used to go to this group here in in Minneapolis and one day they did a they were going to do this big meditation so I suggested that we check the average level of consciousness before and after and there was a there was a change of about 20,000 of the group level of consciousness before and after the the meditation so you know everybody found that interesting so I used it to ask what is the intensity of the field and I did it both ways, checking what is the intensity of the field of the coil and of the field of the shungite. So when I used the straight Akivac coil, the one that I'm working with had an intensity of 10,000. If I add one chip, I get 11,000. If I add a second one, 12,000. Third one, 13,000. And if I, no matter how many more I added, it, it stayed stuck at 13,000. So that three was the max number. So as you can see, it's a very linear progression. So then I decided to do the same test, but using the implosion coil. So the one that I was using, the base intensity had 12,000. I had another chip. I had one chip. It jumped to 14. Two chips, 16. Three chips, 18. And that was the max the intensity of the field of the coil went up to 18,000 just using three chips of shungite. And then I did the opposite. I decided, okay, instead of measuring the coil, uh, I'm going to measure the shungite itself. So I took one specimen and I doused, okay, what is the intensity of the field of this specimen? It told me 13,000. I put the AccuVac coil to it. It only went up by a value of one, it went to 14. But then when I applied the implosion coil, it went from 13 to 16,000. <laughs> so the, the, not only did the Shanghai amplify the field of the implosion coil, the implosion coil amplified the field. So it was a reciprocal thing. They, they, they're both, you know, they're amplifying each other. So this morning when I was able, when I had a chance to do the shamanic journey and talk to my guides about Shungite, uh, I was asking, you know, why three, what is the significance of three, regardless of size and weight? And 
as always, guides uh, show communicate more in pictures than in words. And so everything I'm relaying now was mostly pictures. They showed me that Shungite by itself is like a little window into the quantum field. So the, the chips were floating in the air and there were like holes in the air. You could see through the holes and you could see into the field. So the guide said, you need three to make coherence. That's why you need, at least, you need three. Three makes it coherent. And I'm thinking, what, is, what does that mean? But they were down uploading so much information, I, I was having a hard time keeping up. because, it, And then they showed me another image. Remember that you said when you hit it with a mallet, it breaks in sheets. And if you pay attention, the, the shape of the break is not exactly a flat sheet. It's more like a curved surface. So they showed me an image of the, I guess at the molecular level, how the molecules have arranged themselves. They, it's curved plane. They're planes, but they're curved. So you'll, you'll have a curved plane, and it's all made up of fullerenes. And then there's another curve next to that, another one, and another one, like the layers on an onion. That's the way it looked. <laughs> so you're, you're saying you're saying that the way that the fullerenes structured within the shungite itself were in a series of rounded planes. Correct. That's okay. the way it looked, and and I paid attention. That's another thing that I, I paid attention to the pieces you sent me, and now I understand why most of them they look like chips. They they tend to have one dimension be the predominant dimension. It will have a flat dimension. They're not cubical. They're not round. They tend to have one one major uh, uh, dimension to them, and it's interesting to note that their faces have organ polarity. There will be one face will always be negative. The other face will always be positive. And the chips, when you look at them, they will tend, they don't tend to be flat mostly. They, they tend to have like a curved uh, surface to them. I also did another experiment. Uh, good thing I was wearing my safety goggles, uh, hitting uh, the surface of one of the big ones with the blowtorch, with a propane torch. And... It, like you said, it doesn't burn, but it begins to, uh, chips begin to fly off of the surface, like popcorn. Oh, really? Big chips? I mean, I mean were they small? No, little, little chips, but you can see them fly off. They were um, flying, flying just off of the surface. It, yep. Right underneath where the flame was, they just started yep. to fly yep. off. And you hear the, the popping sound like miniature popcorn. So I, I thought of giving you an idea. Instead of using a steel mallet to break this into smaller pieces, maybe you can just overheat one of them and, and dump them into a bucket of water and just let them crack by the change of temperature. Wow, maybe. that's very interesting. Now, I, I'm getting this image in my head of, okay, you've got the, the fullerenes are in, in these sheets. And mm -hmm. if you're hitting the outer sheet with heat then you are probably expanding it, which Correct. would then cause the adhesion to the layer underneath it to essentially disintegrate. And Correct. these pieces are probably basically hunks of fullerene, maybe entire fullerene sections. Yep, yep. And it's always, it, it doesn't break off in 
square pieces or or, or needles. It, it, it all the particles I was looking with my magnifying glass. It's all chips, little chips like little miniature, you know, fish scales. <laughs> Interesting. So that, that's how it breaks off. And um, the two most impressive things that came out of asking questions of the guides was, okay, don't laugh at this one. <laughs> as as soon as I started okay, asking I questions, of, <laughs> okay, go ahead, laugh. Uh, I started asking questions about Shanghai, and I heard the two words, reality dialer. One of the guides sitting at the table, and and I looked and I thought, well, that's a kind of a strange thing to say and they showed me a radionics box I, I've built my own box and using the Sperling principles I made sure that all the connections are uh, all the polarities of the organ of all the metal pieces are in alignment with each other so you don't have a resistance to you know the flow of the energy in the radionics box circuit so what they were showing me uh, for those I'm sure there right now there are people in the audience that know what radionics is and others that don't know for some that don't know um, radionics started a long time ago uh, you can look for the work of Hieronymus Galen I think was the first uh, scientist who worked on it and in a nutshell radionics is a way to tune into specific energies I can't make it any more simple than that it, it's, a, it's a black box it has a plate where you put your witness or your sample, and it has a, a rubbing surface. Either it's made of uh, resin or plastic or rubber, and you'll have dial, dials, like dials on, a, on an old-fashioned radio, potentiometers for those that uh, understand electronics. And the more dials that you have, the more minute are your resolutions of the energy that you're trying to tune into. But I have a basic one that only has three dials. And you, let's say, how can I, a perfect example. Let's say you have um, a sick tree that has some kind of pest on it. If you take a picture of the tree and you put it on the witness plate, you can use the dials and actually tune to the energy of the tree. You start with one, the, 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 the smallest dial, and as you're turning it, you know, you're, you're rubbing the plate, and as soon as the texture of the plate changes, you know, you hit the number, and then you proceed with the next dial, and so on. So when you're done, the value set in the dials will match the energy field of that tree. So while the picture is sitting in the radionics box, you can take a sample of a pesticide or the remedy that will kill that pest, you put it on the picture or with the picture in the plate. And what happened is in a, in a day or so, the pests will die off. Here in the U.S., uh, many uh, uh, farmers have used radionics uh, boxes to cure their plantations without the use of pesticides. They'll have somebody take an aerial picture of the property, and then they'll, they'll use the, that picture in the radionics box. So what they were showing me in, 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 the, in the journey was that my box has a couple of terminal outputs so that I can use alligator clips uh, in order to capture bigger samples. So they showed me a piece of shungite attached to the circuit of the box. And I said, okay, so what do you do with this? And instead of 
because of what the Shanghai does, that it's a window into the quantum field, instead of tuning into something like the energy of a tree, you can actually tune into elements of your reality in order to make changes in your reality. And I thought, what? How, how is this even conceivable? And he says, yes, you, but it's not, it's not nailed in stone. It's not carved in stone. Because every time you learn something, let's say, for example, um, uh, how can I, uh, let's say you're, you're studying a specific type of meditation technique that, that you're using. Uh, you know, my friend taught me this, or I, this teacher, or I read this from this book. This is the meditation technique I'm using. But what happens is, as you learn and change and progress from that technique, there will come a time when the technique is useless to you because you have evolved beyond it. You have grown, outgrown the technique. So what they showed me was that when you tune into some factor of your reality that you want to alter using the Shungite, it's focusing on that particular part of your reality you want to change, but then it'll change. So then whatever the box is doing is, is no longer valid because now you have made the change, so the tuning is no longer valid. If you want to make another change, you have to tune it again. So it's constantly, it's changing. It's changing and it's, it's growing. Every, every change you make, now you've changed the rules of that particular reality. Okay, so, we've got we to we stop here for a second because I'm totally freaking out. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> because well, I, kept, I, kept telling, I kept telling people I kept seeing and telling people that there's a quantum universe inside the Shungite in the polar rings. And I also, of course, the, the concept of cosmic reality is reality is what you think it is and majority rules. And the third one that the people in power will keep everybody else from knowing rule one and two. But I even though I, we're just going to talk about one and two, because I know that reality is within the control of the, the, the human mind. Um, now, the question that, that and, and don't forget where you are in this discussion, but I want to kind of draw, bring these things together. One time Jay and I got into a discussion concerning free will. And mm-hmm. I had stopped, and you said something about it earlier, and I had stopped from um, putting healing energy out or any energy that would be, be considered magical, even though it's all, to me it's only energy manipulation. Um, in, in, in appreciation for people's free will. And as Jay and I are talking, we realized that we had been misconstruing what free will really is all about. It's not that everybody has free will, <clears throat> but free will entails that you control your own reality. Because if you have the right to have free will you have the right to make any change in your own reality it doesn't matter what anybody else's reality is telling them to do they can do it and they will do it but in your reality you have complete control over everything and anybody in it so now what you're saying is that and i played with radionics i've got a box over there okay so i understand the concept of and again we're talking energy people think in terms of energy you're using a device, but the device is only a geometric constriction of the energy. It's all right. energy. Okay, so you've got this um, one section of the radionics concept that is the witness. That can be um, anything, including just a thought. You can just put right. thoughts in because, again, you're talking energy. All right. Correct. But in the, most cases, they put a picture in there like he's talking about the tree. Now, the tuning is... 
people all get confused about the tuning because you know how can this thing be? It's not it's not electronically attached. It's just it's it's just kind of hanging there. The tuning and, is you. It, you're tuning your aura to that. So it's exactly it's a you are the circuit. You, the human being that is operating the radionics thing, you are the circuit. You're grabbing a hold of an energy representation in the 3D of a dial. And then you're putting your hand on something, and there's different versions of this that, um, I've actually got one that's got a, I don't even know what the heck it is, but it's, there's different versions of the, um, thing that you're touching that will, the touch plate, that you will, um, find, uh, all of a sudden changes. And, but you're the circuit. You're the circuit. So now what you're saying to me is that if you use Shungite as the circuit, instead of basically the human being, that it's the Shungite now that's the dominating factor. The Shungite can dial in different realities because it's working at the quantum level in order to change energies at the quantum level. And they also showed me the reason why. Which is the, which is the part that was the most surprising one of all, and thank God the drumming was coming to an end because it was the, the entire experience felt like somebody uploading the Library of Congress into my brain in like three seconds. I was ready to <laughs> call it quits, but I honor I honor you for being able to do that. But I'm also <laughs> jealous as hell. Got to tell you, but you you can hear your guys in those voices in your head. I mean, I can't do that. <laughs> You, you, might be, it might be safer to do it the way you do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I have to refer you, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure many people out there have seen it. This fellow is very popular on YouTube. This, uh, I, I don't know if he's, uh, what his uh, ethnic background is. Uh, Nassim Haramain, the physicist. One of my favorite. One of my favorites. Okay. There's a there's a fabulous video that's going around YouTube where he presents in very simple terms and he gives all the equations for whoever loves the math showing how a cubic centimeter of empty space has more energy than the detectable universe, than all the matter in the detectable universe. You remember that part? Yes, where absolutely. He, he, absolutely. Okay. The, guy, now, the guy is proving to us that it's ninety percent of everything is where the power is, and and I love him because he he kind of looks at us and he says, you know, what kind of fools are we that we're studying ten percent when ninety percent is where the action is? Correct. You know, it seems now, like such a simple project, but that he he's he's amazing. Yes, go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. So so keep that keep that in mind. You know, one cubic centimeter of space. You know, more energy than the whole of the known universe. Not all the universe, just the known universe. You have that. Then element number two, any physicist today will tell you that solid matter is 90% empty space, correct? You, that yes. you know as well. Okay, so I'm asking why, why, you know, why this, this is happening? Why is the Shanghai happening? And at one point, something that you said came to the fore, which you, you said, you know, each fuller ring is like a little universe? Yes. Okay. That's element number three of this equation. Now here's element number four. Whereas regular matter is 90% empty space, Shungite will give you access to infinite space. So you can use Shungite to access the energy of the vacuum. 
That was the statement made. Wow. Could you repeat that, please? You can use Shungite to access the energy of the vacuum. So in essence, you, if, with, a, with the correct technology, I guess you could power an entire spaceship with this thing. I don't use it as a, as a gateway to access. I don't know, the, 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 the what do you call it? The, uh, what's the word? <laughs> the, what's the word? Not consequence, but the implications are just stunning. Well, yes, and and that that's that's the thing about Shungite is that it can do so many things, and when I would look at it, I would I would see all this, you know, I was looking at it at the quantum level. I would, that's how I would see it. Yeah. So it to to me, it's like there there's there's been all this talk about the event the event the event i mean the different people yeah. who knew everything you know it was the event and they'd give different dates but then uh-huh. and it never happened but then they started to um have the same they were they were all focusing on the spring of 14 this this past mm-hmm. spring and mm-hmm. they all started kind of like they were in unison now about at least the date and again they weren't very specific as to what the event is and that's the same time frame that I found Shanghai. And one day I'm like just, you know, sitting around with this stuff going like, what are you? I was just starting to even understand the full implications of it. And clear as a bell, I heard the event. Shanghai is the event. All Changes we have from to- the inside out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And all we have to do is understand that it is a tool that has been given to us by Gaia in order to yeah. enter into the, the, the dimensions of energy that is does not require millions of people rule two. It yeah. does not. It only requires a few minds that can focus into it, and it, the reality is theirs for the for the taking. And this is what the yeah. third rule, the powers that be, has been so afraid of, is that yeah. it is not difficult. It is there. It's been there in front of us all the time. That's why they try to keep our minds muddled, our bodies broken, our spirits crushed. Because well, look, look at the look at the training we can get at school. In order to get anything, you have to work hard, work hard, work hard. Well, that's exactly what they, they want. You know, they want people to work hard because we need your energy. So you're the ones sustaining the reality that we want. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But we just have to, you know, I mean, it, it's Dolores Cannon, who is, I swear, if I had read her books, I didn't even know about the woman until I wrote my book. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, who is this woman? And people are telling me she's been around forever. And I'm going, not on my timeline. She was not on my timeline. Because had, I mean, I research everything. And if she had been on my timeline, I would have found her. And I found her, I probably never would have written Cosmic Reality. And then I would never have come to the understanding of the power of Gaia, become subservient to Gaia. I will do everything you need us to do. Because to me, there's nobody, the planet's going to survive. Gaia's going to survive. You know, yeah. it's the rest of us. It's the human beings because sometimes you have to look at what's happening and you go, is it even advisable that we survive? You know, because <laughs> these people have done some really bad things and in past incarnations I know I'm part of it. And if you come to that realization, then you have to come to the realization that we are the problem. 
And don't look outside. Yes, there are ETs guiding us, absolutely. But don't look outside for their help because they can only do as much as we will do. So we have got to take that leap of, you know, empowerment. You know, if you don't make the leap, you're never going to get the, you're not going to have the power. And what is the leap? It's not understanding the energy universe. It's energy. And Dolores Cannon, who is, is a hypnotherapist that's been in, out there since the 60s and is now, I believe, in her late 70s, maybe early 80s, she finally she went in, in around the, the turn of the uh, millennium. She started having people who, instead of regressing to human life times, were mm-hmm. regressing to different parts of the universe. And yeah. she kept, uh, had a number of occasions where she went to the library. And in the library is a librarian. And what would happen is the tranced out person would sort of step aside. And so Dolores was having conversations with different kind of spirits. And she's got 15 books out of, out there. I would say 80% of it is the transcripts. Only about 20% of it is her interpretation or linking it to other, you know, situations. But uh-huh. in the first book of the last series she's been writing, which is called, called The Convoluted Universe, the first book, at the end of that book, she asks one of these spirit people that she's now in contact with, and she says to them, well, what's the purpose of humanity? Why are we here? And they said, you are here to learn how to manipulate energy. That's yeah. our mission. Because if you believe that reality is what you think it is, and you believe that you, because you have free will, also have a mandate to create your own reality, and you do it with love and compassion and you you don't even have to get into the details. All you have to do is envision a future sense of where everything is taken care of. Now, we get Chungite in our hands, <clears throat> and the first thing that it, it became I became aware of was its ability to hijack the existing electromagnetic slash Wi-Fi systems that are perpetuating us dumbing down so we don't, we can't yep. connect with our own selves, and Shungite will take that field. It doesn't tri- it doesn't block it. It doesn't absorb it. It actually changes it from damaging to healing, from dumbing down to enlightenment. Yeah. Now that I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fiction writer sometimes, and I mean, I never would have. If I'd said that, people would have said, "Oh, that one doesn't really make sense." You know, a piece of rock. Well, how how can it not? How can it not? It's uh, it's made up. It can access infinite space, so it it can move stuff out into the vacuum or bring stuff in from the vacuum. So how can it not do all that it does? It's just tremendous. <laughs> well, you know, the, the the funny thing is, is that we're looking at it from a standpoint of energy, and we're going like, oh wow. Well, the scientists, the chemists, that you know, they're looking at it from every other vantage point of science. And if you get, if you really get into looking at what they're doing, they get, they go, oh, maybe we can use it as a lubricant. And they go and they test it and they, they, it won't be used as a lubricant because I can't remember why and it was all technical. But now they can, they find out, oh my God, it could be used for this. And so there's, you know, a quarter of a million different documents about fullerene research out there that yeah. is just, it's, it's the most fascinating molecule in existence because it shouldn't even exist on the planet. It should only exist in the vacuum of space. 
So mm-hmm. everything about this sucker is is totally baffling. Like for those of you that might understand in quantum physics, there's a a test that they did very early in the game. I don't know why they did it. So I've always wondered who was the one that thought that test up. But anyway, they take a slit and they throw a, a proton, a light a light molecule through the through the slit, and they detected uh, on the receiving end where this. It, you would think the molecule would go through and hit the and be and be detected on the on the back side of it, but what yeah. would happen was that it would be detected on the back side, but so wouldn't a wave. Okay, yeah. a, an energy field. Now they yeah. couldn't figure out what this is, but now this is how they broke into the concept of that there is no matter; it's all relationship of energy. Yeah. So what they did is they tried this with the molecule of of bullerine. And they sent it through the slit, and they're not. I don't. It wasn't clear to me whether it turned inside out or flipped around somehow. But it, there was no wave, and it came out perfect. There was no change to it. It just went through everything, the slit. Everything matches. Uh, everything. Everything matches. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's totally baffling because it goes against everything that they know at the quantum level. Well, at, at the risk of, at the risk of sounding like a like a crazy zealot, I have to say, you know, the, in in physics they teach you the the fundamental states of matter, you know, gaseous, liquid, solid, plasma. Maybe this is a fifth state, shungite, <laughs> where you uh-huh. have such huge molecules that doesn't even behave like regular matter. Absolutely. I mean, by definition, you're right. They may not be saying that, but I'll say that because it does not conform to anything. It's like it's like you trying the blowtorch on it, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. W- what's happening. I mean, the, and and yet the way you describe it, the way your guides described it to you, the way you see it, you know, that's exactly what's happening. And where else do you see that in any kind of metallurgical, you know, structure? Nothing that I know. Of. No, I mean, here's my question to you. But they're all straight line. They're linear. They don't go into curves. Well, here's my question to you. Since you have a, uh, such a huge background in the, in, the, in the intelligence community, I have to ask you the question. Uh, what about the possibility that there was a temporal incursion and a cold mine was transmuted into Shungite? Is, is that there in the realm of possibilities? You mean with the with the uh, Russian field? Yeah. No. No, because of the the, um, the 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 when they try to test for time, how long? How old is this thing? Yeah. It actually extends in most all the cases in the cases that are being accepted as fact until it's proven proven not. But right now, the consensus is that the field is two to four billion years old. Uh-huh. Which means that it was actually in existence while the planet was basically still in a molten state. You were getting the, the hardening of the crust, but for all practical purposes, it was a very thin crust and there was a lot of molten stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you didn't have any vegetation, you didn't have any breakdown of, of lesser minerals to be able to create the carbon-based substance by which you would grow the shungite. Plus the well, fact that you need it in a vacuum. It, it, the fullerenes will only grow in a vacuum. Now, the, the, what you're saying is actually in alignment with the uh, information presented by A.E. Vogt, um, 
Uh, he did a lot of uh, sci-fi novels, but he also wrote a lot of sci- uh, science-based books. And he has a great book out there called Life Cloud, where based on on uh, scientific data, they were able to determine that the uh, because as you know, the location of the Earth where it is right now, you cannot see the galactic center. There's a huge cosmic cloud sitting between us and the galactic center. You can see the galactic center in the other sp- part of the spectra, like radio waves and gamma rays, you know, in the other part of the spectra. You can take pictures of the center of the galaxy, but visually, you can't. All you see is the, the two big sections of the arms of the galaxy. When they did a... We don't know the science precisely behind it, if they, if they use radio telescopes or something, but they were able to ascertain the chemical makeup of the cloud. And 90% of the cloud is carbon. So that's why in the, the, the book is called Life Cloud, because he was, he was reasoning, he was proposing that the elements of life didn't start on the surface of a planet, but out in a vacuum of space, and planet proceeded. Well, I absolutely believe that that was where the seeding of life came from, was the original Shungite hit. I mm. do believe it came from outside of Gaia. However, I think that Gaia had gotten to a level of consciousness where she called in that that uh, stuff to yeah. make it. You know, okay, I've, I've felt this uh, molten state long enough. Let's really get creative here. You know, and, and, but the thing of it is, is that the, the, the cloud that's coming out of the center of the universe is really, um, a, it's, 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 so, I'd call it blowback. Okay. It's blowback, not from the black sun in the center of the universe, but the other side of the black sun, which is, is, let's call it a white sun. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a blowback through the black sun, black hole, black hole, um, that is, a force of energy that's kind of picking up all this this dust and it's attracting all this carbon and and it's coming directly at us. Well, we go through this field every, you know, what is it? Twenty seven thousand twenty twenty seven. How many is it? Twenty seven. Yeah, twenty six thousand five hundred uh, years. The that. The, the heat does. The, what the, I know this stuff and write about it with that. The the um, what is the procession of the equinox? Procession of the equinox. So every time we get into this state, and some people were calling it the proton belt. I use that term because it seems to um, give an image of this area that we're moving through that is really full of all sorts of gas gases and radiations and energies that we only get when we move through this thing. Mm-hmm. So um, the fact that you're having a massive leap in the consciousness of mankind. It is so fascinating because what, what what the first time I the first indicator I mean I understood theoretically that this was about to happen but you know so you're sort of looking for the indicators and the first indicator I had was when they started seeing that the half life of minerals had changed mm-hmm. because I work with minerals um, to me those it's that's the basis of everything. So I figured, yeah, they're probably going to see something in the mineral kingdom before anything else, simply because uh, they're so basic and they're so they're so based on energy that they can change easily. I've seen magical things happen with minerals. I mean, just preposterous mm-hmm. things. So, yes, the, the the half-life minerals, I mean, all the minerals, all of a sudden start changing. It freaked out the scientific community. They're going, this is impossible. 
you know. Um, but mm-hmm. if you understand what's happening, no, that's an indicator. So then they started seeing DNA changes in the great apes. And I remember seeing, I was reading about it, and then very shortly after that there was a YouTube thing on where these two photographers were taking pictures in a, in a great ape, uh, you know, sanctuary area. And they, this family with a, with a uh, silverback and the mom and a couple of kids come walking towards this one guy who's got the camera, and he just freezes. And they went behind him and they sat down. And one of the little kids started picking at the guy's hairs, and the, 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 his friend is filming all this now, front on, and the guy's face was just ecstatic. But they kind of, and, the, and, the, and, the, and at one time, you know, kids start, they start getting a little bit rougher, and the father didn't say anything. He just made a little motion with his hand, and the kid immediately backed off. And there was such intelligence, such yeah. a conscious awareness in this video that I was absolutely stunned. Well, then you start paying attention to the kids, human kids, and you've got all these weird um, diagnoses of di- diseases in these young kids, babies coming out of their, uh, you know, their moms, and because they're taking, they're basing their their presumptions of problems based on the DNA that they're pulling out of these kids. I mean, oh. that's what they're doing, okay? And so they tell like, tell a mom or dad, oh, your kid's got this terrible thing, and then <laughs> so the parents freak out, okay? But in reality, these kids do not have anything wrong with them. They, their DNA has changed, so the database has changed. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Well, you know, the, so, there's, a, there's another, uh, he's, I think he passed away the, earlier this year, uh, the gentleman who brought human design to the world, Ra Uruhu. He was a uh, Canadian-born. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the human design system. But it's a system that actually teaches you what's, what's the user manual for your body because it's based on the moment of conception and the moment of birth. So you have a design and a personality, and they can actually tell you that. Remember I looked at yours and I told you you're a projector? One of the interesting things that he said in, his, uh, in one of his conferences is that the humanity that wrote all the ancient religions that created all the ancient religions all the, all those humans he says they're extinct because he he says that ever since uh, 1840 when i believe the year is 1841 uh, i forget when herschel the astronomer herschel discovered the uh, the the presence of uranus in the solar system he said that humanity experienced a leap of consciousness whereas people before were being born with seven centers. From that moment on, people started being born with nine centers. That's why in the human design system, they speak of the nine-centered being. So when you look at all the history books and all the ancient religions and all the the old stuff, all of that was created by a part of humanity that doesn't exist anymore. This evolution has been ongoing, and now, now it's being recognized by them, by a lot of people, but it's been ongoing now for a while. <laughs> well, it's been going on since the beginning of time because, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 if if you just look of it, look at it in terms of consciousness development. I yeah. mean, what's what's the purpose of it? Well, it's, it's to develop consciousness, not only in ourselves, but in the mineral kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, the animal kingdom, and Gaia herself. It's, they, yeah. it's Not one thing is better or lesser. We're all tied into this 
whole evolutionary thing to begin with. And yes, it um, the 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 fact of the matter is is that we're 200 years seems a lot to us, or 300. The, yeah. We've been we've been gradually getting into the proton belt for a while, so mm-hmm. these extra energies have already been there. So you know now as we're getting in, you know, and this is going to go on for a bit that we're going it's going to get more intensified. So at some point, and this is where the missing link came in. I mean, every time we get to this place, there's a huge jump in everything. Duh. You know, what's here? Well, it's this, it's this energy coming straight out of the center of the galaxy that's like, you know, we're like looking down a, a barrel of a gun with the way this thing is pointed at us. And again, that's a unique place in the universe. Not everybody goes through here. Yeah. You know, we're on the, on the spiraling edge of the, of the galaxy of the Milky Way galaxy and we're in a unique position regarding everything else like like yeah. you know and um, so yes humanity is very very special and that's what we can't allow ourselves to look like I said earlier is it even advisable that we continue it's a it's an incredibly you have we have to we have to survive because it's it's part of a story that needs to be told. You know, there's there's so many stories out there, but the story that we're living through right now, where uh, not only it didn't take very many people to come to the realization of energy universe, Gaia consciousness. Thank you for the Shungite. We can do everything with it because it's something that shouldn't be here. Has been here since the beginning of life. Um, and now we're back in an area where the energies are, you know, at first I thought it was Gaia that was energizing the Shungite. You know, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, she's come alive enough so that she's woken up and now she's energizing the Shungite. But as I'm explaining this to you, I'm getting download that no, it's the fact that right now the energies coming from the center of the universe are of such intensity that it's like you're saying, it's acting like a doorway through the Shungite. It's a doorway, yep. Infinite space. And once you control, once you, and in reality tuning, and once you understand the power of the Shungite to be able to manipulate in very quantum ways reality, whoa, that is a very powerful image. And, and uh, you know, and the one of the biggest illusions is to think in, in 3D linear terms, oh, it'll take 300 years, oh, it'll take a thousand years for things to be nice and good and enjoyable. And the thing is that that's one of the other illusions of the 3D world, the concept of time. In the quantum field, nothing takes anything. It doesn't, there is no, there is no time. You there want things no to be n- nice and good and perfect and enjoyable now? So be it. You don't have to wait for the for the curve of evolution or or whatever they want to call it. It's and the, even 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 the concept of time as we understand it now. I don't care how much physics you pull out of your head. It's still relative, and it's still as Andrew Bartz says, it's a social convention. It's a social agreement that this is what time feels like, or this is how fast time flows, because even physicists are scratching their heads as to how to get a handle on the concept of time. The best they've been able to do is, you know, uh, 
kind of gauge entropy of substances, and even that is can be can be manipulated because that's that's the that's the thing that's the the discovery that everyone is awakening to. We are not beings imbued with consciousness. Consciousness is. It would be a really empty and lonely universe to think, oh, only man is imbued with consciousness. What? Everything you're looking at is a projection of consciousness. Everything is consciousness. So man has to have consciousness because, you know, he's part of consciousness. Consciousness is. So, and you know, the stones have consciousness. We don't, we don't need to look at Shanghai. It's, you know, giant fountain of consciousness. It's just getting getting to that personal realization because it's a personal experience some people might might realize it when they're washing the dishes somebody will be outside gardening you know planting flowers and and they'll get it somebody will be riding a wave in a surfboard and they'll get it you know this board is made of consciousness my body is made of the water that i'm riding on is is consciousness being projected in this form and um, but they'll get it and that's the beauty of this this whole journey, this whole experience, is people getting it. Let me, let me tell you when I got it, because I've told this story before, but um, I was in a Catholic church. I was, I think, probably about 19 years old, and there was, there was no seat, so I was standing. And they're going on with the Mass and everything, and all of a sudden, everything blacked out in front of me. <laughs> There was no, there was nothing around me. There was no sound. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing except my own consciousness. And I went, where am I? And the answer was nowhere. And I completely got it. Without consciousness, there is nothing. Nothing. And when I came back into the church, my, I, I had been, I had been changed you know, unbelievably and irrevocably, I had seen nowhere. And if I ever question anything about God or consciousness or, and I tell people, don't limit God. How can you say that God can only do this, this, or this? Don't limit God. <laughs> Who are you to say that? You know, It's like, that's crazy. God can give us a consciousness that's a creator God. That creator God is powerful enough to maintain within its womb this Shungite base so that when we travel through the proton belt in 2014, all of a sudden this womb comes alive with not now the basic chemistry for life, which would have been energy to begin with, but another energy, an energy for new enlightenment, to take back the planet, to take back our power. And to become what we should have become a long time ago if it hadn't have been for the people that was following yeah. Rule 3, which is keep everybody else in the dark. They did an excellent job of it. But I'm sorry, some of us woke up. And it doesn't take many of us to wake up to find Shungite to realize we have access to power that has got right. to make them tremble. And, and you know, instead of uh, intimidating people by saying, you make your own reality, your own rule, your own reality, I find that especially in communicating with other people, sometimes that, that word reality can be daunting or intimidating because you hear it and it's, oh my God, it's everything. How can I do that? How can I change it? And I would suggest 
change the word reality for the word movie. How different is your life from a movie? Change your movie. Not at all. And as a matter of fact, when I write fiction, I actually, I actually get myself in a movie theater with a with a project, you know, the screen in front of me, and I sit yeah. back and I watch the the novel that I'm writing as a movie. Yeah. That's that's why when I you know? when I read books, I I don't normally I don't see the words. I'm seeing the images in my head of what was being said in the book, even even if the subject is kind of obscure and abstract. I'll still see shapes and, and patterns to kind of go with what's being described by the author. So that, that's how I can remember books so easily. I, I don't have photographic memory. I just remember the movie of that book. Well, that's part and partial to the concept of um, quantum energy, where there is no space, there is no time. It's happening all the now and that year. So what's happening when you get into that space, and some of us are blessed to be able to do that, you're actually in the mind of the author as they're doing it. You're oh. actually picking up their images, what they're seeing in their head. That makes and sense. I, as, a, as an author, I've watched this in people, you know, and I'm very much aware of it, that that's what I do. That because, because as a trained telepath, I know where a signal's coming from. You know, it's not like so, sometimes you get a download and you go, who's talking to me? Well, in my brain, it's like compartmented, and I know where the signals are coming in and therefore who I'm talking to. And I know okay. that I talk to the authors. That explains why I was able to foresee some of the stories in, in the Star Trek series, because I've always enjoyed great daydreaming. It's my antidote for this so-called reality. And many times I would daydream complete episodes and there you two weeks later they would be broadcasting you know you know fresh new episode and wait that's the story that I was daydreaming <laughs> yes because you're, you're connected at the super consciousness level the way I explain it in the book is that it's like we've got all these PCs that are individuals that are connected to a server computer if uh -huh. a PC understands they're connected to a server computer then they can access what's in that server computer so some of us now all of us when we're born have a link to the server, but the only way the server is really able to communicate with us is through emotions. I like, mm -hmm. I don't like, I'm fearful, I'm okay. Those kind of things. They can kind of, the server can kind of control you a little bit. But now if you get to an evolved kind of consciousness within your own PC brain, and you go, there's got to be a server out there, and you can access the server, then you are in a situation where if you get to play with this long enough and you understand that's why I know that I had that the server has a section in there where you know uh, general patents complete consciousness exists mm -hmm. it's like it's it you know it's it's going beyond the concept of the um, material 3d internet computer systems that we have now what we're really talking about is the same thing that happens at the DNA level at the DNA level, the Russians have discovered, there is an entire in, internal bioelectromagnetic um, internet that can be programmed. Yeah. And the most potent programming tool to use to do this is the human voice. Okay, so, but it's all, it's all based on energy. You've got a, a, an electron moving through a wire, which is running everything at the 3D level. But at the 3D level, at the energy level of the cells, what you're doing is that 
each cell is resonating in a particular frequency that resonate then that is then then is taken over by the next one and that's how you have the communications so when you're in a situation where we're just open to the super consciousness of a given server that server is linked to an even bigger server and when you get to the levels that we're, where we are, where we're getting these downloads, we're really getting downloads <clears throat> at the spiritual server level from the super consciousness, from those higher levels that look down to everything. So, and God only knows how many layers there are. And that's why we have to succeed because if we don't succeed, one of the, one of the lower levels is going to not be there. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's it. Wake, part of waking up is uh, rearranging your own movie. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a you're you're projecting it from inside out, and it's it. I know it's a difficult concept to grasp, but when people when people try to get to that part of the concept, you know, okay, how is this? You know, I don't I don't understand. How can you be saying that I'm I project my reality? Are you saying that I'm projecting that building that's across the street? I I would offer that yes and no yes in the sense that you your um, awareness is telling you that there's a building out across the street but is it really there because you, you're interpreting the electrom your eyes are feeding signals into your brain of an image of a building and the perception of, of space or perspective is telling you that it's X amount of distance from your physical body, correct? But still, it is just information that's being interpreted by the brain. Even if you walk up to the building and you use your hand to touch the surface of the building, is the building really there or are you interpreting the signals that are being fed to your brain by your sense of touch? Well, we know that well, the brain... That's why the yogis, when they would shout, they would equate the five senses to five telephone lines. When you suspend the five lines, now you, you switch into another, another level of reality. So, the I guess that's really far out there, but in, in changing your movie, instead of focusing on changing the elements of the movie, you know, how many buildings, how many trees, how many houses change your perception of the movie because some, somebody could uh, and by that I mean how you interpret the movie as it's coming to you and when you change your perception of the movie that okay this is not necessarily bad or how is this really hurting me or because you know as animals we don't oh I don't want to feel pain I don't want to suffer I don't want to have this headache I don't want to deal with that person or that other person so it's the your perception of things that are making your reality and if you choose to make a conscious change of your perception then your reality has to follow now all of a sudden you're living in a different reality so it's baby steps as you as you as you grow in this yeah you'll you'll get to the point where you materialize and dematerialize the whole building but it begins with your perception of things as you're making these tweaks you get you get more and more muscles in changing, you know, your movie, your reality. Well, the, we, there's a there's a program on it was, you know, how your brain works or something, but they went through a whole series of demonstrations of how the brain only takes in a certain, like, 
samples of what it is perceiving, and then based on what it was trained to um, interpret these symbols to mean, that that's what it would do. And one of the great examples of this is the sun, because the sun is no longer a yellow sun that we remember. It's a white. Oh sun. no, it's white. It's it's blue. It's blue white. Yes, it is. But what what happens is that um, I knew that this was theoretically what was going to happen, and I had a, a, a route that took me directly into the west, facing the setting sun every night, and then I would make a, a right hand turn, and I would go north, and then I would make a ninety degree uh, turn. You know, it's all through uh, through 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 highways, but it yeah. would be a ninety degree turn, and now I'm going east. And I'd been doing this for. You know, I mean, like five days a week, you know. So uh-huh. one day, the sun was just right. And it reflected in my side mirror. And when it did, my brain was tricked because it didn't know what this was. Because if it was the sun, it should be in the sky and it should look yellow. It looked white to the to the, to the the mind. The mind's going, what, what is this thing, you know. And so then I looked into the to the rearview mirror and I saw the sun and I saw it as white and I went, oh my God, the sun's white. How long has it been white? Now every time I look at it, I see it as white. But that's and that's. It, and if you notice, not only does it look white, but whereas before, you could make out the the circular sphere of the body of the sun. Now when you look at it, it looks like a big white blotch. It looks like a like a like a cloud of light. Around the center where the the sun is, I don't know if you've okay. noticed that. Oh, absolutely! It's, you can. I tell people, be careful looking at it. It's, it's so bright, you're not going to be able to really pick it out. It's it's just going to be this yeah. white blob of, of white. You know, I mean, it's because it'll hurt your eyes if you really try to get in there. And um, isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious? If the sun is in that condition, and all the planets in the solar system have no choice but to follow the sun, isn't that telling you that? As of this instant, we are already sitting in another octave of reality. We're no longer sitting in the old octave. It's just our inertia, our, I don't know, mental laziness or force of habit are perpetuating the, the old 3D reality around us when in reality it doesn't even need to be there. Because it's we not have to jump. There. It's, it's not, not there. there. <laughs> That's why they're working so hard to keep people from seeing. Don't you think that somebody should get on CNN and say, did you see that the sun is white? Did you just know that the sun is bigger? Did you know that because of this, geometric requirements of the universe has made Earth bigger? Yeah. That you keep the geometry the same? You just make things farther away and bigger? You know, the yeah. relationship is all relation. I mean, don't you think somebody should tell people this? But if everybody starts realizing this and realizes, oh, my heavenly day, things are already yeah. into an environment, a new reality that I wasn't even aware of. And so when people like you and I get out there and say, hey, just take a look at it, you know, because when you're talking about the building and you're talking <laughs> about the perception of the, of the human being, they're only seeing what X, Y, T, Three, four, seven, eight means to the brain. So if the yep. brain now gets a signal that says, "No, that same that same number now means this," boom, you've changed reality. It just yep. is a it's reprogramming the brain to accept that what you what you were told in the past is real, is not real. It's gone away, and in some cases, never was there to begin with. Yeah. 
And one of the things that I have experienced with conversations with other people that one of the things that in a way kind of scares people with this notion of making your own reality is that, wait, if I take responsibility for my own reality, what if I get it wrong? What if I do terrible things? What if I mess it up? What if I make myself suffer even more than what I'm suffering? And that's the beauty of it. It's, uh, it's a self-correcting situation. If you are awake enough to perceive and realize that you're the master of your reality, you're calling the shots as to what you want to experience and how you're going to experience it, guess what? You're awake enough to be smart enough not to cause yourself undue suffering unless, you know, you have some kind of... uh, your, Your soul wants to experience some kind of suffering because it's part of its journey, picking up experience. But no, you're not going to get it wrong. You're not going to turn into some monster that's going to destroy half a city or something like that. Because... Nobody want, by nature, nobody wants that. I don't care how many violent video games or violent music they feed us on their entertainment buffet. Nobody na- na- gets up in the morning thinking, oh, I guess I'm going to detonate a couple of atom bombs today. You know, I just feel like it. <laughs> nobody does that. We, w- we want to enjoy life. And, and we want to see the people around us enjoying it the same way because who wants to be in a room full of sad people? If you're happy and laughing, I'm going to feel happy and laughing. It's just, you know, contagious. So if you start waking up enough to do that, change your movie, it's going to be a great movie. Nobody, you're not going to fill it with, you know, gory stuff, I guess, for the most part. <laughs> well, you know, the, I, I actually, I actually think that the number one deterrent for human beings to grasp the concept of um, reality is what you think it is, is they're afraid of being bored. They like the drama. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who really kind of got it <laughs> would revert to all this drama. And maybe the whole concept of creation is because God was bored. You know, I don't know. Well, the, but I, I, do I know, know that... Uh... that I know that, I mean, and, and this just comes from, not from reading it from books, but from personal experience. Drama is a kind of addiction, like alcoholism or gambling. You can deprogram yourself from the thirst for gra- for drama. I mean, and you will get, you know that thing that uh, recovering alcoholics, that that drugs that they that they are given, that pill, that if they take a, a, a swig of alcohol, they have to spit it out because they get this violent... Uh, uh, rejection to the alcohol. When you when you wean yourself of drama, it gets to the point that just a little bit of of drama it just makes you feel sick. I, sorry, I don't want this. I don't need this. It, it is it is addictive. It's like a drug. You have a little bit, and in, and we we've, we've been programmed for so for how long, Nancy? How many thousands of years they've been feeding us a steady diet of drama and fear. It's, it's, well, first off, first off, I was part of feeding it to people. I know I'm not. I'm going to talk <laughs> to the fact that you know, I've done yeah. some very bad things in the past. However, what I see happening now is that you guys want drama. I'll give you drama. I'll give you. I'll give you a piece of shungite, and I'll tell you that you can open up to the greatest depths of energy that mankind has ever even conceived of. All you have to do is work with it, and Shungite will always keep you balanced, will always keep you in a, in a state of goodness, 
because it doesn't yeah. know any other way. Not only is this from the womb of Gaia herself, the creator God, which has created everything that we understand and know, all the animals, all the plant, everything, right here. Now, of course, she was probably, and I'll say that she was created by a source guy, somebody bigger and better. But if we can't love and cherish and be subservient to the creator God right here in our own backyard, then what's the big guy going to think, or the big girl, or the big it, whatever it is? Yeah. We have got to stay local. And when I say stay local, I say also stay within your own self. You know, you're the most important thing in your reality. You've got to work right. on yourself. And Well, you're, and you're the source of your reality, so you better be there in the center. Exactly, and you should never look outside. It's all inside. You've got everything that you need is already there. And now they've stepped, stepped up the game, and they've given us Shungite. And if you just simply listen to what is being prompted by the Shungite, you, you, you're going to have even more control. It's not that the Shungite is controlling you. It's a, it's a tool. It's, it's a, a tool, tool to reconnect yourself to yourself because we've been separating from our true selves for so long. What do you, Thank you very everybody, much. Any, anybody out there in the audience who studied the subject of the veil, they know that it's an artificial construct to keep levels of consciousness separated from each other. Yep. Because without it, you know, you would you would be in a state of oneness. You would be open to all the layers of consciousness. So, and that should that shouldn't frighten people. It's not frightening. Yeah. It's 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 one of the things that 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 we we always hear about Shanghai. I mean, it's the first thing anybody will say to me is, "I don't know what it's doing, if anything, but I feel happy." Well, yeah. the reason you're feeling happy is that the Shanghai is actually creating the. Um, mi mi uh, the, the miniature calcite crystals in your pineal gland to start vibrating, which then yep. opens up a connection to your server computer, your higher self, your soul, what, whatever you think of it as. But it, it links you, and as soon as you're linked to that level, you, you feel happy because you feel connected. feel great. You know, it's and, like, that, oh. and that's the other thing I was going to mention is that, that what you said is that some people don't like the idea of... Uh, controlling reality because they might get bored well <laughs> that's that's a bill of goods that we got sold that you need drama to make life entertaining because ecstasy is never boring because it's never the same thing the same thing that I experience when I do a shamanic journey it's never the same thing it's always different it's always different it's always different it makes it infinitely entertaining it's always different how can you get bored when there's like never-ending difference and everything is new every time can you get bored with when you're experiencing something that's always new every time you experience it it's not like going to a job every day where it's the same building and the same people and the same work desk no it's always new so ecstasy is not boring or tiresome that's another part of the story that you were sold <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Drama gets boring. It's always the same thing. It's always it's, a, it's a, the same suffering and the same agendas. It's but, but it's even it's even more than that because what you know, my life has been pretty magical to begin with because I've been, um, you know, the guides have had a tight rein on me and they put me in jobs and taught me different things and you know taken me down the, the you know until I know what I'm doing here. But what is so stunning about being 
so blessed to be in the early game of the Shungite movement, the event, is that it's exciting and it's magical and things happen that you go like, did that really happen? All the time, every day. It's like you see the magic. The children who are involved with the Shungite are just, they're getting kind of spooky. Because they're, 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 most of them are indigos that I'm involved with, and they're, they're connecting into that, the Shungite energy, and they talk, they started talking about the spirit of Shungite. You know, Shungite's gonna change everything, they'll grab the Shungite nuggets, they'll run down to the beach and they'll scream, we're coming guy, we're coming dolphins, we've got the Shungite. Keep your your eyes open, I wouldn't be surprised if a five year old somewhere comes up with a blueprints for a Shungite vacuum generator and just and just a little box will power an entire house or an entire city. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to tell anybody that's working in free energy out there, you better learn what Shungai can do for you. Because, you know, if you're, if you're out there working on it, it Shungai is going to increase what it, because there's a lot of different concepts that will lock into the energies. You know, it's yeah. not that only one, there's many, but it, it may be that the missing ingredient in whatever you're doing out there is Shungai. And you can get, Bricks That's of one it. of the things that, that kind of surprised me that if you there is an underlying theme. If you pay attention to all the people out there that are working on on free energy, uh, like like Searle, the, the man from New Zealand, and and the people that are working on this. Uh, uh, this new um, generator that's based on a tank circuit and uh, uh, the shot key generator, they all have one thing in common, regardless of the anatomy of the device or what component it has, they all have one thing in common. They do what they do based on resonance. And what does Shanghai do? <laughs> exactly. You, the only difference, we, like for example, Schottky generator to me is my favorite because there's no moving parts. It's just pure undiluted resonance. And I, I saw a video on YouTube of a fellow assembling one and he controlled the resonance by controlling the amount of space between the coils and the magnets. And once he had it in place, he tightened the screw down, and there it was. The thing was powering an entire bank of of light bulbs. Others have, like like Searle, you know, they have these moving parts, but they all begin with that with that concept. Is that resonance is what harnesses the energy from the vacuum and brings it in. It's like uh, for those that have read the the work of uh, Tesla, what he refers to as radiant energy, um, like you, you, you've seen it. Let's say you have a vacuum cleaner running, or a, or a, an electrical skillet, and you pull the plug from the wall, and you see that spark. That that minute arcing of electricity is what uh, Tesla would call uh, radiant energy, and it's actually energy coming in from the vacuum. And several experimenters like uh, John Bedini, they were able to harness that. And they, they have these devices that run, you know, indefinitely, and that's all they're doing. They're harnessing that little bit of energy that comes from the vacuum, and it's always happening at the same point. It, 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 it's manifesting at the point of, refer- of resonance. So, like, resonance is at the center of all projects. And... And you, you were the one, first one to bring it out, at least to my knowledge. You know, what does Shanghai do? Well, it resonates with itself. <laughs> Can you make it more plain, more obvious? Uh, why, why don't you just give them a brief um, description of resonance so that they can, you know, 
there's going to be a lot of new people listening to this information because that's the way it's going to be. So um, we need to be able to give them some information. The, 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 that the, I simplest, use the simplest, most visual example of resonance, which I'm sure many have had a chance to experience it in their childhood or or with children, is when you have a child on a swing. You push this, the child, swims, swings forward a certain amount, then the child comes back, and you gently add more energy, so you you make a smaller push, so that energy is added to the next swing, and so on. So, so it gets to the point where you even barely have to push the child because that en the energy of your pushing has added to the momentum of the movement of the child. You your pushing was in resonance to the motion of the swing. That is the simplest definition I can give, and this phenomena which you have done mechanically with a swing and physical force can also be done in other energy systems like electrical, uh, hydraulic, that the principle of resonance where just a little bit of energy added into uh, a, a, um, uh, a deployment or volume of energy adds to the whole. So it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that's how you bring in the energy from the, from the vacuum. Uh, I, well, I hope well, that was clear enough. <laughs> well, the way I the way I explain it when we're talking in, in terms of energies is that if you had a piano opened and you could Correct. see all of the strings, if you Correct. hit Music the middle, another... yeah, if you yeah. hit the middle C string, the the you will hear that middle C engage in your ear, but you can mm -hmm. visually see all the other C's begin to resonate. In other words, they begin to vibrate at the same frequency. Correct. Because now, they're all designed to operate in that frequency. But pay attention to your, to your example. Middle C, and, you're, and you hit middle C, and you experience the other C resonating to that middle C, correct? That's right. So what you have done is your middle C, which is in that octave, by striking it, what have you done? You have accessed the other C's which are in other octaves, or let's switch the word octave for dimension. Precisely. And it can go both ways. So resonance, lets, it's, it's like a doorway that lets you access the other dimensions. And the, the higher dimensions is, where, is the ocean of energy. And that's why that resonance is allowing us access to that ocean of energy to bring it in. And there is inexhaustible energy. Nobody should pay a, a dime for any energy anywhere. Because we're literally floating and living and existing in an ocean of energy, inexhaustible. Exactly. <laughs> um, we're getting into the four minutes before we're supposed to go off the air. Jay, are you there or not? Okay, he's not there. <laughs> and is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience? Uh, um, no, uh, I don't know if at any one point the show opens the, the floor. Uh, if someone has questions, I'll, I'll do my best to answer. Um, I don't claim to know everything about this. I'm, 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 I just feel every day I feel like a newbie because there's something new. Well, I have a question. Ha ha, ha ha ha. So, uh, would you like to come on my show tomorrow evening, Walt? Yeah, I, I am. I'm here. Awesome. Thank you very much. And, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, basically, uh, I'd like you two to continue this conversation. Um, we've got to finish it now. 
so, so uh, here's the ODD collective outro, and uh, time to <laughs> time to get going. So thanks, thanks. very much, you two. Thanks, it's been Greg. brilliant. Uh, I, everybody's been thank really you, JP. God bless. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Nancy. You have been listening to the Shanghai Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for being here. Be safe.